This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. Y'all glad to be here this morning? Praise God, this is the day the Lord has made. So what are we supposed to do? What else? Yeah, rejoice and be glad. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Amen. Did you know he's coming again? He promised. He said, if I go, I will return and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a great day that's going to be. Amen. You say, well, when's it coming? Well, if I knew that, well, uh, I'd be God, (laughs) but I'm not. So, uh, I don't know. Hallelujah. By the way, if there's any uh, children, uh, let's see, what would that be from uh, six years of age, five years of age on up through uh, fifth grade, you're, you can go. Maybe they're gone. Obviously, they're gone. Okay. All right. Good enough. Hallelujah. Well, I uh, hope you had a great week this week. And I tell you what, praise God, we're excited about the future uh, that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. And for the local church, how many of you know, praise God, it is the preserver of life. Did you know the church that Jesus gave birth to? He's the one that authored it. Praise God. He put it into this earth in order to preserve this world. You know, if, if it weren't for you, dude, this place would be in trouble. Now, don't get all big-headed about that, but Jesus did say that you and I are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Well, it's a preserver, isn't it? A preserver. I, I preached a message sometime back about the preservers of life, and we really are. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You are the light. Everybody say light. light. You're the light of the world. Hallelujah. How do we, how do we display this light? Well, by being an obedient doer of the word, amen, to be a follower of Jesus. In other words, to, to emanate the characteristics of the kingdom, hallelujah. And he enabled us to be able to do that because of the spirit of God that he placed within us. How many of you know you can't do it by yourself? Can't do it on your own. I remember how I was before I met Jesus. And I can tell you, I can tell you right off, that don't work. <clears throat> but with him, hallelujah. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Did y'all bring a Bible with you today? Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. And Darcy, maybe you could turn this down just a little bit. Proverbs chapter 24. And I want to share a a message with you uh, uh, that I think will be a blessing to you. At least it's my hope anyway. You know, when you're a preacher, it's the hour after you get done that's the worst. You say, well, and the reason being is you have to live with yourself and you have to, you know, decide whether you did a good job or not. Sometimes you feel like you hit it out of the park and everybody's going, well, yeah, that was a good sermon, you know, whatever. Sometimes you feel like you just shouldn't have shown up and they go, oh, pastor, that was the most amazing message I've ever heard. So, you know, I guess you just kind of go down the middle of the road and try to do your best, stay happy. Amen. Praise God. So we'll see how it goes today. Glory to God. You know, one evening, there was a little girl and her parents, they were sitting around a table, they were eating supper, and this little girl, she said, Daddy, she says, uh, she says, you're the boss, aren't you? And, you know, of course, with a great big old smile and being pleased, he goes, yes, I am. And the daughter, you know, in the same breath, she continued, that's because mommy said that you're in charge, right? <laughs> was that taking a while for it to sink in? <clears throat> He thought he was the boss, but actually in her mind, it's because mama said, 
that he was in charge. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, anyway, hallelujah. I want to I talk to you this morning because, uh, you know, first of all, let me just wish all of you fathers a happy Father's Day. I tell you what, you have such an incredible and integral part in the lives of the people that are around you. And whether you realize it or not, you're influencing those people. Hallelujah. And so thank God for every one of you. Let's, let's give all of our dads a great big round of applause. Amen. Thank God for every one of them. You know, uh, there was an individual who made the statement one time, there are many who can father a child, but it's another thing to be a father. And that's really true. You know, to spend time with your uh, family, your children. And, and uh, so we just really salute you in this most important role. We're going to talk a little bit about that here this morning because, uh, uh, you know, the reality is, is that you may have gone through the season of having to father. The truth of the matter is, is that you're always fathering. But, you know, initially there's a whole lot more time and effort and everything else that's put into it until they get off on their own. And some of you are in the middle of that. Some of you haven't even yet started. But um, it's a grand privilege to be a dad and really to be able to per, uh, uh, be the person that others look up to, that look for guidance, that look for direction. And that's really what they're, they're, they're wanting, and that's what they're desiring. And as I said, we'll talk just a little bit about that here this morning. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, I had it. Pardon me. And uh, by the way, I forgot my glasses, so I'm using these cheaters, and that doesn't work very well. How many of you know what I'm talking about? These things, man, they won't stay on my face, all kinds of problems. Okay, but anyway, here we go. Look with me, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. It says that through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, you know as well as I do, you know, the, the writer here, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said again that it is through wisdom that a home is built. By understanding it becomes established, and by knowledge all of its chambers or its rooms are filled with precious and pleasant uh, riches. Now, obviously, uh, he uses the analogy of building a house or an edifice or something of that nature, but the reality is, is that he's talking about a whole lot more than that. He's talking about what's in that house. And he points to the simple fact that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are the things that cause that house or that home to grow, to flourish, to become established. You know, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember how many years ago. How old's your, your house now, Brian? Seven, eight years? Seven years. Seven years ago, my son uh, launched out on a trek to uh, basically generally his own house, build his own home. And, um, you know, and then a lot of the stuff he subbed out to different individuals like the basement and the framing and, you know, drywall and different things like that. But a lot of this that he decided that he was going to do on his own, which he did, and he did a marvelous and a fantastic job. But, but I have been, uh, not, not by my own uh, uh, knowledge or anything like that or uh, statement, but people have called me the grass whisperer because I can grow grass. You say, well, hallelujah. That's what I kind of thought, you know. But if you're going to go grass, here's the thing. If you need a new yard, you know, in, in August now, not very far away, you need to kill whatever's out there and get that thing all ready to go. 
and get that planted about the last part of August and for sure the first part of September. And if you do that, you'll have a beautiful lawn. Now there's some other elements that go into it. So my son is building this house. We through the winter months and we're getting into the summer and, and I'm thinking about his yard. I'm saying, man, dude, you got to get this yard and, and you're going to have to do it within this time frame. Well, the only problem was is that he didn't, have a, uh, he didn't have any siding on his house. He had these retaining walls that he needed to build. And he also needed a driveway long enough to land a 747. Okay? And all of this he was going to do himself. So I talked with him. We come up with this timeline that we had to do this. And I don't know, seven years ago, whatever that summer was, dude, it was hot. I mean, 100 plus degree temperatures. And we're out building a retaining wall. That is dumb on a lot of different levels, but we got a timeline. Are you listening to me? So it don't make no difference. We're going to get this thing done so that we can plant grass. And thank God we were able to do just that. The reason I bring this analogy up to you is, is the fact of the matter is, is that whenever you're building something, it takes time. And unfortunately, it usually takes a lot longer then you think, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, we can whip that out in no time. And you're still there three, four, five days later. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Or weeks, or whatever the case might be. And also, <clears throat> there's always a cost, and there's labor that is associated to that build, whatever it is that you're building. And I'd like to suggest to you that when it comes to your family, or the family that you're in, it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes labor. But I tell you what, the rewards are praise God out of this world. Can you say amen? So it does take work. And, you know, if it's done right, you can enjoy years and years of pleasure and blessing, hallelujah, as a result of your labor. So, you know, the same principle required in building a physical house um, they're, they're, the same things are required in building a home or a family that is within it. You know, even like building our church. You know, thank God for our great church. How many of you know we have a great church? You know, and I mean, it's, it's occupied by great people that are fulfilling the great commission and the great commandment that Jesus gave to us to love one another. And that's what makes a church great. You know where the word's being preached, where the word of faith, where people are being encouraged, praise God, not only to live for God, but to believe him for what it is that he's promised. But you know, those things just don't happen. You know, when we first started way back in 1979, we were in a building over here where the, where the youth are now. And I mean, we didn't have a whole lot. We had a gravel uh, parking lot. And, you know, the husbands were always upset because the women they came in in high heels and they ruined their heels because the gravel, you know, would, would tear up the, that thing, you know, whatever that is. And, and, uh, and so, they, you know, they were never so glad to get concrete. Everybody say, thank God for concrete. But it didn't happen overnight. It sure enough didn't, you know. And we always think that everything's going to happen so much quicker than we thought. You know, when we started, you know, when we, nobody had a word of faith church like ours around this part of the country. I mean, man, we were carving out a new path in the, out in the woods here, you know what I'm saying? And so people started coming, getting turned on to the word. We're excited about it, you know, and we're having great crowds. We had people like Sandy Brown and all different kinds. I mean, this woman, praise God, she could bring sinners out of the woodwork. It was like, how did you get here, you know? But they would show up and they'd get saved. 
So the church is growing. It's getting, you know, larger, and we're excited about it. And we'd have meetings, you know, this is back in 1980-81. We're in the middle of a cornfield having 400 people show up for church, and it's awesome. But guess what? All of a sudden, some people decided that they wanted their own church because they didn't want to drive that far. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? Hallelujah. And so they hatched off and started another church, and our, our church started to shrink. Everybody say, uh-oh. Yeah, you know, smaller. I mean, I remember one time there was a group of them, you know, uh, out of uh, Harlan, for example. You know, they come, they said, oh, pastor, we're so excited. I said, you're good. What's, all, what's going on? Well, we're going to start a church. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and you got to understand that um, they were hungry for the things of God. They started this church and about 30 people, you know, out of the congregation left, you know, well, they might be excited. I don't know that I'm that thrilled. You know, I mean, God's man of paste and flour and faith and power, you know, all of a sudden they're going the wrong way. But what we don't realize is, is that, you know, the, the privilege to be able to hatch off a whole bunch of churches out of your church is a good thing. But when you're 24 years old, it does not appear that way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then there was another group in Omaha, another group in Omaha, you know, and different things like that. Shenandoah, you know, different things like that, you know. And, and so at the time, everybody say at the time, it appears like you're going the wrong direction. And there's times in our lives, in our families, you know, when we're building, you know, we're wanting to get this thing established, we're wanting it to grow. And sometimes at least it appears, everybody say it appears, that we're not going the right way. But I got to tell you, there's foundations, there's footings, there's, there's the moorings of life that are being established in different ways and, and different things. And praise God, you got to know that when you do it God's way, that in the end, that place is going to be blessed. And we are blessed, are we not? Hallelujah. You know, so many things that God has done here within the context of this church and the privilege we have to have such a beautiful 10-acre campus and the building facility that we have. You know, I got to tell you, I got a lot of pastor friends that would, you know, almost kill, you know, to have a 56,000 square foot facility that they can teach their kids, they can teach their, their uh, teenagers, they can do things where the nursery is concerned and have a beautiful sanctuary like the one that we have. Everybody say, we are blessed. We are. You know, I tell you what, people ought to thank God for the local church. Amen? You know? Now, a church is like a family. I, didn't know, I don't know if you knew that or not. But every family has its own personality. And there's not one family that I've ever been to that's perfect. You ever visited family? And you say, well, wow, I mean, there's no flaws here at all. Huh? No, you don't have to look very far, praise God. And, and you know, as long as there's people around... There's going to be some false. That's why, you know, when Paul was writing in Ephesians, you know, in chapter 5, he said, you need to forbear one another in love. What's that mean? That means put up with people's stuff. Huh? You know, I've been putting up with Jeff for, I don't know, how long you've been coming here? Long time. Huh? 95? 95. You know, 25 years. Isn't that something? Isn't that good? Glory to God. Well, anyway, uh, no, the reality is, and, uh, is, is that when you, when you have a family, like a church family, it's going to have its own personality. It, is, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be perfect. And the same thing's true in your lives. How many of you discovered that not, not everyone in your family unit is perfect except you? Huh? Is that, is that right, Lisa? 
<laughs> little quiet Lisa never says a word, and all of a sudden I put her on the spot. Praise God. Isn't that fun? <clears throat> Amen. But you can, here's the thing you have to understand. You can build a beautifully adorned home, but you know what really counts is what's inside that home. Amen. Huh? Here just a few weeks ago, or maybe, I don't know, it wasn't very long ago, we were out on a lake in a boat. And, you know, you go up and down uh, the shorelines of, of lake and, you know, you'll see all these homes and many of them very beautifully adorned, big, you know, uh, <clears throat> A-frame type things, lots of windows. And, and uh, you know, you go down through there and, and, and you look at all of them and, and uh, you got you to say to yourself, you know, wow, that is really awesome. That's pretty and that's beautiful. But, you know, the thing that really makes that home is not what it's built out of, but what's in it. Because there'll be homes that you go by and the kids are playing and the parents are engaged with their, with their kids and they're doing different things. Or maybe there's groups of people that are there and they're, you know, having community and different things of that nature. But you can go to the very next one. It can be so beautifully adorned and, let, and yet that home is filled with loneliness. It's filled with strife. It's filled with problems. It's filled with God only knows what. Are you listening to me? It's a lot like, you know, the thing about it is it's so many times, you know, folks, you know, they, they're, they're one way in public, but they're another way in private. God help us to be the same no matter where we are. Are you listening to me? And that not only that, praise God, that we're those that are, you know, contrite and humble before God to live our lives out, you know, just as we are. Are you listening to me? And if we have problems, let's get them fixed. Did you know that, that problems are fixable? Mind the right house? Yeah. You know, they're fixable. A lot of times, you know, really, uh, uh, you say, well, what's, what's, the, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the secret sauce? You know, what's, what's, what's the key? I'll tell you the key. The Bible says to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that you can be exalted in due time. Humility goes a long ways towards fixing a lot of problems. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Glory to God. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I was expecting an incredible shout and I didn't get one. I wonder why. No, I really wasn't expecting that at all. But you know, praise God, if people would learn to say I am sorry, it's powerful. You could fix a lot of stuff that's going on in your world. Amen. Now, after all, I am your pastor. I can stand up here and give you some flowery words, a little social gospel, try to get you happy or whatever, or I can be your pastor and tell you the truth. You know, it's kind of interesting, and I, I had been studying this, but I did think about it, and that is, is that the Bible says, you know, James talking about teachers or ministers and different things, and how they have to give an account for people's souls. So I can either tell you what's true, or like I said, I can tell you whatever it is you want to hear. But you ain't going to get no itching ear stuff around here, amen? Because I'm going to tell you that God has an answer to be able to fix your stuff, but sometimes your stuff is, is, is uh, only fixed by your own acknowledgement of need in your life. Okay, I'll go over here. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's true. But here's the beautiful thing. I tell you, it's such a wonderful thing that God has as a matter of design for our families and for our lives. He knows how to do life, you guys. 
And I mean, there isn't anybody better at it than him. Amen. So he gives us this blueprint and he tells us what it is that we need to do. And when we begin to follow that blueprint and do the things, I know it's not easy. You know, I mean, we people have different personalities, you know, and, and they got all these different quirks. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, where in the world did that come from? Who is that person? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you wouldn't want all of us to be the same, would you? Huh? We're all just a bunch of clones. We all, you know, you know, monotone, saying the same things, doing the same things, thinking the same things. No. But here's the thing, you know, that, that uh, there's no substitute for building your house with the biblical tools and the principles that heaven has to offer. Did you know that heaven has some instruction? You know, of course, when you're building a great edifice, you better have a set of blueprints. Huh? We didn't have any blueprints when we started our church. We had a 9,000 square foot building over there, and we decided, well, we're going to do this. And so we'd put up all these walls. We did more tearing down than we put up, you know. And finally, somebody said, dude, you need to get a clue. And, and so we did. Aren't you glad for that? You know, you kind of got to learn as you go. Amen. And then it morphed into what it is right now. But, you know, a set of blueprints can go a long ways. But how many of you know the Bible is our blueprint? It is what, you know, how many of you know that the Bible teaches us how to dwell, you know, well with one another if we're willing? Everybody say, I'm willing. It talks about love and control. You parents, you know, when it comes to your kids, you know, those are two fundamental principles, love and control. Everybody say control. Say it one more time. Say it a third time. Thank you, Jesus. Control. Whew. Okay, that's a good one. All right, I really like that. Respect and honor. You know, the Bible teaches that. Responsibility and stewardship. Time and communication. How many of you know, uh, ladies, that you would rather get more than three grunts and a groan? Uh, you know, <laughs> my wife, bless her heart. I mean, she, she, there's got to be a reward in heaven. You know, you, you know, so many times, you know, these guys, they're occupied with the television, they're all zeroed in, and she says something, you don't hear nothing. Huh? What'd you say? Or, yeah, yeah, you know, Katie can relate to that. Jim's not even here to defend himself. Well, anyway, but, you know, communicating is important. You say, well, I just don't know how, or, you know, I'm just a quiet person. Well, listen, dear friend, you need to learn how. Are you with me? And when you do, then praise God, you can really find out what's going on in the world in which you live. Also, there's principles, biblical principles of being an example and honoring Jesus. The reality is, baby, I can tell you this right now. If you want your kids to follow you, they're going to follow you. And whatever example you set, that's what they're going to send. If you don't love God, if you don't serve God, if you don't make God a priority, your kids are not going to do, well, they're going to do the same thing. Are you with me? And then your kids will grow up to be godless. But I tell you what, praise God, that doesn't have to be the way it is. And I got to tell you another thing. We have some incredible fathers within our congregation. Amen. I think you ought to give them another hand right now. You know, here's the reason why. You know, over 40 years, I've watched as these fathers have brought their children up. And it's wild, you know, because when we first got started, which was just yesterday, now we have second and third generation, you know, kids within our congregation. It's freaky, you know? 
I mean, time just goes boom, you know. But I've watched him in these four decades, and some incredible families have been given birth to because dads decided to take the lead. Did you hear me? And to be a father not only to the children, but also to lead them where godliness is concerned. And you're going to have rebellion. You're going to have kids, you know, that don't want to have anything to do with it. And they're going to, pardon me, but they'll, they, they'll have this tendency to want to go stupid. And that's what it is. It's ignorance. They think they know everything. You know, when a kid gets to be 14 years old, they think they know everything. How many parents know what I'm talking about? And then they kind of stay with that for a while up into the, uh, uh, through the teen years. But you know, hopefully someday they'll come back to realize, you know what, mom, dad, you were right. Are you listening to me? And that's why you hold your ground. You, 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 can, you provide the example that needs to be put there, you know, whether they like it or not. And I tell you what, praise God, for the most part, most of them will come around and say, you know what, glory to God. I'm glad I obeyed my parents. I'm glad I came around to see the truth because that's where the blessing of God is. Amen? So there's an investment that has to be made, you know, in order to have a functional blessed home. And But the dividends are so rich, you know, so rich. I think about uh, Pam and Gregor sitting here. You know, they had three wonderful children. They all, these kids have grown up to become adults and went all over the place, living in different parts of the country. But they all love God. And their families love God. You know, and they've got grandkids that are going to grow up to love God. And we just got done singing about it. Amen, amen, amen. For this generation, this generation, the third generation, and the fourth generation. And it's because we set the example, we stay the course, we fight the fight, you know, we do what it is that we have to do because it's right. And there are going to be times in all of that where it looks like what you're doing isn't working, but I'm telling you what, praise God, stay the course, keep the example, do that which is right in His sight, praise God, and God will bless you. Young fathers, listen to what it is that you're hearing this morning because I'm telling you what, it's worth it. And you'll be blessed because I've watched it happen in the lives of so many people within our church. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> having a beautiful home, having a beautiful marriage, having a beautiful family. How many of you know it takes time? Everybody say time. People say, I ain't got time. Well, you know what? You have to decide what's important in your life. You know, since this coronavirus thing and everybody got locked up, I mean, we've had more time we know what to do with. And everybody that I've talked to has actually liked it. Now, you know, there's a limit. Come on, let me out of my cage. But, you know, families have been, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, almost forced to be with one another. And they actually, see, you know, declare about or testify to the fact that, you know, the personalities of their kids have changed. It's gotten better. You know, they're not dealing with all the pressures, you know, that culture and different things are pushing on them. And, and so it's, it, you know, this, well, what's happening is that we have time together. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So I encourage you, my friends, let's make sure that we're carving out the time that we need where our families and where our, our children are concerned, and I believe that you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, just listen to me, you guys. Be careful not to allow other things to crowd into your life. Well, I got to do this. I got to do this. I get it. We're all busy. 
But you know, we have to kind of draw some lines, am I in the right house? Take the time, and I guarantee you that you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. And here's another thought while I'm thinking about it. You know, there's seasons within our lives. And this is an important principle because, you know, the reality is, is that there are certain things that we want to do, but there may be another time in our lives that we're going to do that. I'll give you this real quick example. I've used it before, but, you know, when my wife, or my wife, my, my first, when Pastor Brian got married, you know, well, even maybe before that, he bought a motorcycle. And uh, I told him, you know, I'm not, I'll buy you all the dirt bikes and four-wheelers you want. I'm not buying you one of them road bikes. And when you get out on your own, you can have your own bike if you want one. Well, he bought one. And so, you know, he comes up and, you know, and shows it to me. And he drives off into the sunset. And I'm standing there. I'm thinking, this ain't no fun. Look at that. So I go out and buy one so that I can, you know, so that we can ride together. Well, he starts having a family, you know, and all of a sudden priorities change. I call him up. Hey, let's go for a ride. Now I can't do that. We got, you know, whatever. You know, and pretty soon he sells his bike because he keeps having all these kids, you know, and here I am. I have a bike and, 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 but they ain't no riding. Well, here's the thing. There are seasons in our lives. There are priorities in our lives. And I thank God that Pastor Brian made good choices to say, you know, I'm not riding this bike. I'm going to sell it. There'll be another time. Are you listening to me? You know, I mean, there's critical years within the lives of your kids, and you've got you to spend it with them. And thank God he's done that. Great example of it, really. And great kids. Absolutely awesome kids. And so those are the things you have to understand, that there'll be a time in your life. It's like, uh, you know, when Joan and I were planning our family and different things like that, we talked about this whole thing. And, you know, and I made reference to the fact, you know, that if we, if, um, uh, we have our kids here, that when we're 50 years old, we'll have all of our kids you know, basically raise and we can go play or we can do more in ministry or we can do whatever we want, you know. So, so the seasons that we have within our lives are things to be considered. So for right now, man, you know, you may be in this season. So you just stay there and you get it and praise God, there's going to come a time. Now, I got a pastor friend of mine that's, uh, he's still got an 18-year-old in his house and he's going to be 65 or 66, but he brought that on himself. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Actually, he adopted, you know, this child. And so God bless he and his wife for what it is that they've done. So, you know, but it's a choice. Isn't that right? And so I'm just saying, you know, to understand that, praise God. And so uh, building something, you know, uh, that lasts, it takes time and it's generally longer than you think. Charles Neiman, he's a pastor in El Paso, Texas, very large church down there. He made this statement. He said, the life that you have is the life that you build. People want to build, blame everybody else for what's going on in their life. And dude, you got to look in the mirror sometimes, you know, and that's not a very popular kind of statement, but it's true. And I'm not saying that, that we don't have um, unexpected things that uh, turn up in our lives. And I, I'm not saying that, but, but the fact of the matter is, is it's not so much, you know, what happens, but how you respond to it. Are you listening to me? You know, and so, you know, God can redeem. Sometimes we have real loss and we experience ruin and things like that. But, you know, God can change it. So he makes this statement, the life you have is the life you build. And the life that you build will be the one that you have. And so maybe, you know, I mean, uh, sometimes we can't do what's back there, but we can sure do something about up here. Wouldn't you agree? 
Y'all still glad you came today? Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand these truths. Um, many years ago, back in the 90s, we went out to uh, California for a vacation. And between San Francisco and Los Angeles is the Hearst Castle. Uh, Randolph Hearst was a media mogul and had money coming out of his ears. And so he started, er, he built this place out in the middle of nowhere. And when you drive off the highway, I don't remember how far it was, maybe four or five, maybe, maybe more, eight miles up he started building this castle. And he built on this castle for nonstop for 28 years. We went on one of the tours. There's actually three tours. You can't even see the whole thing. You know, and so we went on this tour. Some of the stuff that was built, I mean, it was spectacular if you ever get a chance, you know. Now, my wife wasn't that charged up about a bunch of stone rooms and all this and that and the other, but I thought it was pretty cool. They had indoor pool you know, that was made out of this uh, cobalt blue with gold um, uh, borders. I mean, it was beautiful. even had a little uh, diving, you know, platform uh, in this, you know, I don't know what, what all you call it. They had another one that was outside. They had all this marble shipped in from Italy, beautiful, you know, columns and all different kinds of things. And so for 28 years... You know, they built on this thing. Well, it takes time to do something that spectacular, doesn't it? Huh? You know, it's not something that just happens overnight. You know, but again, the whole point is, is that if we'll uh, understand these kinds of things in our lives, you know, that it takes time to build a great family. If you pour yourself into that family, I tell you, it'll be great. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. You say, well, how do you do that? Just spend time together. That'll help. Amen. Uh, we had the privilege of knowing one of the family members uh, of the individual who built Crazy Horse, or not built, but, you know, started Crazy Horse, Korczak Zolkowski. Oof. Nice Polish name for all of you that are wondering. And uh, anyway, we knew one of his sons. There were 10 kids in the family. And this guy came back after the war, and he was a sculptor. He actually worked on, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Mount Rushmore, until he got fired because he and Borglund's son couldn't get along together. Imagine that. So anyway, when he came back, Chief Standing Bear wrote a letter and asked him, he said, we'd like for you to build us a monument so that the white people or the white man will know that the red man had its heroes also or two. And so as soon as he got back from the war, he knew exactly where he was going to go because he'd already been out there. He actually came from the East Coast. And he started this thing back... I don't know, probably 45, 6, 7, maybe, yeah, I think before 1950. So here we are now, um, what, 75 years later? And of course, uh, Korchak, he's gone. His wife took up where he left off. And now I think there's probably three or four of the family members that are still building that thing. And it just keeps, and, and you know, you just think about the time you know, that, that, that has been invested in this thing in order for them to uh, now finally, you know, get to where it is that they're at and they still got, you know, they don't even have a date of its completion. Now that's, that's long-term thinking, my friends. Hallelujah. Well, you know, God thinks that way when it comes to our families because, you know, he started with Abraham and then there was the next generation of Isaac and the next generation of Jacob and then the next generation of the 12 tribes of Israel, you know, God thinks long-term. And so you become a piece within that parent, father, mother. 
you know, that are building something. We usually, you know, we don't think about that. But I tell you what, someday you're going to pass from this life to the next. You're going to go home and be with Jesus. Are you listening to me? But your genera- or the generations behind you are going to live on. They're going to follow you. Come on. Praise God. We're going to have great reunions. I mean, the best thing you can do is make sure your kids end up in heaven. Isn't that right? And so praise God, you know, for the privilege that we have in this kind. But we don't think in those terms. What am I trying to say to you? You know, don't ever give up and become weary about what it is that you're doing when you're embracing the things of God. Because I tell you what, God's got a great plan for your life and a great plan for your, your uh, family's life. How many of you believe that? You young kids, you know, you're sitting there thinking, you know, well, I don't know how relevant this is. It will be. I said it will be. And you'll be blessed as a result of it. Hallelujah. So anyway, you know, whenever you set out, I mentioned this before, you know, to uh, build something great, you have to have a set of blueprints. And the blueprint for your family, the blueprint for your life is the word of God. It's like God saying, here's how it works. You know, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible tells us that we're talking about the blueprint. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's sacrificial love, isn't it? Amen. To lay my life down in order that my spouse may be blessed. The Bible says, wives, respect your husbands, defer, you know, and, and uh, uh, show respect. You know, a lot of times you'll run around, you know, and you'll see people, couples and different things like that. And the relationship is anything but respectful. They've been hurt, something, you know, they're jaded by whatever it is that's gone on. And so they got these sharp, harsh words. Dude, you'll never build anything of any worth by behaving that way. Can you say amen? Yeah, but I have a reason. Well, you know, don't we all? I mean, offenses are inevitably going to come, but you've got to decide how it is that you are going to respond to that. You say, well, it's hard. I get it. You're right. Sometimes it's not the best, you know, or the most fun to be able to have to love one another. But I tell you what, it always pays off big dividends. And we could always go back to that one word that I mentioned earlier. I'm sorry. Goes a long ways to heal the wounds. You know, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. We're talking about a blueprint for success in your life and in your family. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because it's right. And there is with that a promise so that it might be well with you and that you might live long on the earth. I don't know about you, but I like living a long time. But if it's going to happen, then I'm going to have to show respect and defer to my parents, even though I don't think they know what they're talking about. How many of you as young people and teenagers didn't think your parents knew what they were talking about? I think that everybody kind of goes through that, don't they? Some of you didn't raise your hands. We're going to pray for liars later in the service. Sure. You know, because we have a different way of thinking about it. Huh? And, and again, (laughs) sometimes parents don't do very well. Like I said, uh, whether we realize it or not, we are flawed. Huh? Yeah. You know, I mean, I was mentioned the incredible uh, dads that we have here in our church. Any one of them, you can go up and you can ask them. And I guarantee you, they'll admit that there's no perfect father huh? But there's no perfect mom. Huh? There's no perfect kids. Huh? (laughs) It's really great to watch the expressions of people, especially when their kids are in the sanctuary here listening to this, you know? Well, hopefully it's doing some good, praise God. So, 
but we've had some exceptional dads uh, throughout the year. But uh, there's no one perfect. But the great thing about uh, uh, all of that is, is that if you're a dad that fears God, everybody say fears God. What I mean by that is, is that you acknowledge that what God says is true. And to the best of your ability, everybody say best of my ability. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to follow and do your best to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because those people that fear God, God has promise, his, his promises and the Holy Ghost to help them. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? I thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because I tell you what, praise God, there's times in our lives when we want to do otherwise, but we're restrained, we're held, or we're guided, or we're directed, or there's, you know, instructions and things like that by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God that come to us. And then, praise God, when we see those, those signposts, when we see those, you know, signs that are on the road, we can say, man, that's God, I got to do this. Hallelujah. And blessing comes to each and every one of us. You know, this is what uh, God promised Israel and their experience. It says, every commandment that I command you today, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe so that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, test you, and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And so he humbled you, allowing you to uh, suffer hunger, led you with man, uh, or fed you with manna, which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that a man does not live by bread alone, listen, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Drop down to verse 6. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now listen, for the Lord is about to bring you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of fine, uh, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, lands of olive oil and honey. Where is it that God's wanting to take them? Into a land of blessing. Hallelujah. You know, the, 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 the things of God, the, the commandments, if you want to call it that, again, of God, they're not designed uh, to make your life miserable. They're designed to bless you. Isn't that right? When I love my husband, when I love my husband, that's not right. When she loves her husband and I love my wife, let's get that square. You should have straightened me out on that sooner. Anyway, um, you know, when, when we do that, guess what? The blessing of God comes our way. But if we're going to start chewing on one another, you know, if we're going to start, you know, the I ain't talking to you for the next three days thing. Now, I know none of you have ever had that happen before. I'm just kind of using it as an example for somebody else that probably isn't even here, right? But when you, when you start down those paths, you better be careful where you're going. Because it doesn't build, it tears down. Am I in the right house? Boy, it's quiet in here. Glory to God. Amen. What a Father's Day message. So, in trying to close here this morning, you know, the primary responsibility that we have in our lives, of course, is to love one another. But when it comes to the parenting thing, being a father, it is to love, it is to teach, and it's to train. Your kids need you, dads. 
I tell you, they need you so much. And I realize, you know, we have busy lives. We've got work to be done, things that we want to do. You know, I mentioned this here uh, sometime back. I was talking to a guy, 29 years of marriage, and he's getting a divorce. Three beautiful kids, all of which are, well, one of them was eight years old. The other two were teenagers. At the most critical time in these kids' lives, he's going to be absent. For what? For money, you know? Somebody asked him the question, how much money do you need? And he was talking about, you know, the, the accumulation of wealth that, that he had already derived. And he, he said, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, the things that are most valuable that are in your home and you're choosing to see if you can make your pile bigger. Guess what, dude? Wrong choice. So be careful. Well, yeah, but I want this and I want that. Seasons. You know, if you'll be faithful, listen to me, you guys, this is true. I know it to be true, that if you'll be faithful where you are with what your responsibilities are, when you get to where you want to go, you'll find that God will bless you and make it all happen because that's who he is. Are you with me? But you got to put first things first. I know this is kind of a, a difficult kind of thing, you know, to maybe think about in our lives, but it's a good one nonetheless. Proverbs 22, 6 says that train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, some of the greatest lessons that I learned from my dad, and he wasn't a godly guy, okay? Uh, my dad, you know, passed away 59 years of age because of cirrhosis of the liver. Our family was a drinking family. You know, in other words, get goat stinking drunk most every weekend. Well, anyway, so that's the way we live. But here's the thing. The thing that he influenced me in my life, the things that I uh, appreciate the most is what he taught me or showed me. You know, when it says train up a child in the way that he should go, it doesn't mean yell at them. It doesn't mean tell them. It means show them. Are you with me? So when we'd be out on the farm, he would show me how to do this and show. And I was, and I would listen and I would get it. Are you with me? Guys, listen to me. When you're, when you're there with your kids and you're showing them how to do it, dude, you are their teacher. And, and I guarantee you that they will learn things. And I appreciate so many things that he taught me you know, about being on the farm. I mean, one of the things, for example, that he taught me was, is taking care of your stuff. Because, you know, sometimes people don't take care of their stuff. I mean, you get in their car, man, and it's like a biohazard test, you know, like a Petri dish. And you're going to yourself, dude, let's pull over here, and let's, you see that dumpster right there? Let's start, you know, doing a little pitching. Are you with me? Okay. Well, I didn't mean to get in the middle of your stuff. Maybe, maybe you're going home this afternoon, fix some stuff up. I don't know. But, you know, uh, <clears throat> show them, you guys. Take the time to show them how to do things. They'll love you for it, and they'll appreciate what it is that you've done. Amen? Glory to God. Well, anyway, enough about all of this. Praise God. Um, and conclude, let me just say this. You know, fathers, teach your kids God. Take them to church. Say, we're going to church. My kids, well, two of the three are here. You know, there's times they don't want to go to church. We was in church. We go to church all the time. Are you kidding me? Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, anytime church is open, we're in church. You know? And, and there was times they didn't want to go to church. But you know what? They were going to church. 
Amen? Amen? Are you with me? So when your kids don't want to go to church, you say, well, you know, I'm sorry about the way you feel. We're going to church. They won't die. I promise, you know, and uh, hopefully they'll love you for it. Glory to God. Y'all glad you came today? Let's give one more great big round of applause for all these dads. Praise God. Thank God for them. Amen.